Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung here. Hey, thanks a lot for joining us as we take a look at the book. I enjoy studying God's prophetic word, and I'm sure you do as well, because that's why you've joined us today as we look at Esau and the Palestinians. Now, that's the title of a five-hour audio series that I have on CD, available to you, by the way. In a moment, I'll tell you how you can get your copy. But we're going to study from that series, from Malachi to Matthew. There was 400 years of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament, from Malachi to Matthew. It's a very important study. You need to understand what went on during that time and how from Malachi to Matthew, the Bible is bridged by the final prophecy in the Old Testament. Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. I want to remind you that you can get your copy of Esau and the Palestinians, and I'll tell you all about that after we have our study. But right now, let's study from Malachi to Matthew. Turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi, chapter 4. As we continue our study on... Jacob I loved, Esau I hate, and tracing these two men who from their mother's womb, God announced that there would be two nations coming out of her. And Rebekah would give birth to two young twin boys who would then thus become two nations. And we're watching their history as we go through the Word of God, from Malachi to Matthew. What happened during that almost 500 silent years between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament? Well, several things I want us to think about as we look at two prophecies that had to be fulfilled during that 500-year period of time, and then two potentates who come to power our endeavor to come to power, and then two programs, sovereign programs of God that we're going to look at in just a moment. Here in Malachi, chapter 4 and verse 5, a very interesting word. We end the Old Testament with a prophecy, and we begin the New Testament with the fulfillment of it, basically. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The prophecy of Malachi, the last of the prophets. And if you look at the major and minor prophets, let me tell you how uh, they're not in any special order. And how do you determine which is a major and a minor prophet? The way I do it, basically, the major prophets are the large book, the minor prophets are the smaller books. Not so almost with Zechariah, which is, 12, which is 14 chapters, but uh, it would be a minor prophet. But that's how they break down. There were two prophets that prophesied during the Babylonian captivity. That would be Daniel and Ezekiel. There are three prophets that prophesied after the Babylonian captivity. That would be Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, the last three prophets of the Old Testament. All the other prophets prophesied prior to the Babylonian captivity. So that's how you determine when these speakers or these prophets of God were giving their messages either to Israel in the north or Judah in the south or a combination of both of them back together, united once again under the flag of the nation of Israel. 
And so again, those two prophets prophesied during the Babylonian captivity, Daniel and Ezekiel. Three after the Babylonian captivity, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, and all the rest of the prophets prophesying before that. Malachi, the last now, after the Babylonian captivity, we looked at the other day, the first chapter, and verses 4 and 5, where it talked again about Jacob I love and Esau I hate. At the conclusion of his prophecy, he's saying there's an Elijah going to come to announce the Messiah. Messiah is not going to come to that dreadful and terrible day of the Lord until Elijah does come. Go to Luke chapter 1 just for a second. Luke chapter 1, we begin, uh, and basically Matthew and Luke are the only two of the four gospel accounts that give us a record of the birth of Jesus Christ. There are 168 verses in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2. That's all the information we have about the birth of Jesus Christ. In, in, injected into one of those chapters, Luke chapter 1, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ, prior to that we read about uh, Zechariah, the priest who is serving at the temple, has the unique responsibility being chosen by Lot. He's an older priest. He's really up in age, in fact. And he has been chosen by Lot to take the incense in. In the Holy of Holies, as you entered the door, and the Holy of Holies was five stories high. The entrance to it was five stories high. The veil of the temple was five stories high, thick as my hand. And as you entered the holy place, on your right-hand side would have been the table of showbread with 12 loaves of bread. On the left-hand side would be the seven-branch menorah, or candle opera. The veil of the temple would be in front of you, closed, keeping anyone from going into the Holy of Holies. But just in front of the veil of the temple was the altar of incense. God would uh, use these men, 28,000 priests were used in operating the temple. Uh, they would work in particular shifts. That's how we can tell when Jesus Christ was born, by looking when Zechariah would have been serving as a priest, the last week of July and the first week of August, when would have been the time, the two-week period that he would have been working, according to that schedule that David set up in First Chronicles. And uh, he would have come by lot, chosen with the incense, and he would bring it over to the altar, the, the fire would have been brought from the altar outside into the altar of incense. He would then very carefully lay the incense on the altar of incense. The smoke would then go up and through the roof of the temple for the purpose of giving the idea to the people gathered for the temple worship that their prayers were being offered up to God. It was a special time and every day when this priest chosen by Lot would go in and put the incense on the altar, everybody would be standing outside in anticipation for the smoke ascending into the heavenlies, which was an example or a type of their prayers going into the heavenlies. Well, when he went in, they kept standing, they kept standing, he kept standing. We know what happened. Gabriel came to him and told him he was going to have a son. And <laughs> Zacharias said, I'm going to have a son? Do you know who I'm married to? I'm married to Elizabeth. She's an old lady. She hadn't had any children. You crazy? Gabriel, you think you, you're pretty smart, but I don't think this is going to happen. Gabriel said, tell you what, buddy, you're not going to talk anymore because you don't believe me until you take him for circumcision his eighth day of his life. By the way, his name's going to be John. You know the rest of the story. John the Baptist, who Jesus Christ said, chapter 11, the book of Matthew, verse 14, could have been Elijah, 
the fulfillment of the prophecy of Malachi had the Jewish people accepted him. And so over those silent years, preparation was being made for that Elijah, the prophecy of Malachi chapter 4, to be born, to be the herald, to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And it was in such a time as this that the Messiah would come forth. It was in the fullness of time, Paul wrote people at Galatia. In the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, Galatians 4, 4. What does it mean in the fullness of time? Well, the Roman Empire was in power at this time. That gave a stability to the known world. They needed that stability for the gospel message to go forth. The Roman Empire also had set up an infrastructure. The Roman road, you can see evidences still 2,000 years later of the Roman road. We have gone to many sites on the television program, Day of Discovery, that we do. And we've stood actually on the Roman road that was built prior to the birth of Jesus Christ. So there was a stability. There was an infrastructure. They had to have a road system to get the gospel message out. There was a common currency, the denarius. Common currency. Uh, quite interesting parallels between the revived Roman Empire and the old Roman Empire. A common currency. There was a common language, Koine Greek. Everybody knew that language. Thus, the New Testament was written in that language. And fifthly, there was a synagogue system that had been set up. When they went into the Babylonian captivity, 586 B.C., the temple was destroyed. During that 70 years of captivity, they developed a synagogue system. They didn't have the temple anymore to worship in. They had to have some place to store the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament. They had to have a place where they could come and pray. So they built their synagogues all facing towards Jerusalem. So on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, on Saturday, they could come in open up the Torah, take it out of the Ark of the Covenant, which is where they keep the Torah, read the Torah, and pray towards Jerusalem. They were to do that three times a day, and on the Sabbath they were to do it definitely towards Jerusalem. And it had to be in the neighborhood. So they, in the neighborhood. Because see, you can only walk 3,000 feet. That's a Sabbath day's journey. 2,000 cubits. 23,000 feet is all they could go. How do I know that? Because Acts chapter 1, they were on the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's journey from the temple, and that's 3,000 feet, or 2,000 cubits. And so they had to have a synagogue system set up. When they came back out of the Babylonian captivity, they continued the synagogue system. Only about 50,000, 49,897 to be exact, came out with Ezra, excuse me, with Zerubbabel, Ezra chapter 2. Most of the Jews were scattered around the world. You know what the second most populated Jewish city was at the time of the birth of Jesus Christ? Babylon. Babylon was still alive and well. Babylon the city was never destroyed. Babylon the city has never been destroyed. Babylon the city will be destroyed. Revelation chapter 18. But people, Second most populated Jewish city, Babylon. Jews were scattered all over the empire. The 
Grecian Empire before the Romans took over. And a synagogue system was set up throughout all of that area. In the fullness of time, God brought forth Jesus Christ so that when he grew up and he trained 11 men, they would have a stable world out there in which to go forth to preach the gospel. An infrastructure of a road system, a common language so they could speak, denarius in their pockets so they could spend whatever they had to spend wherever they were, and a synagogue system where they would go into a town, gather together a bunch of Jews in the synagogue on Saturday and reason with them about Jesus Christ. That all came together between Malachi and Matthew. I'm so glad that you could spend a few moments with us studying the Word of God. Would you like to have your own copy of this five-hour audio series entitled Esau and the Palestinians? It's on CD, so you can use it at home or in the car as you travel. Again, the title, Esau and the Palestinians. If you'd like to make your order, we have a toll-free number that you can call and tell the people that answer, hey, you want to order Esau and the Palestinians. That toll-free number is 877-674-3298. It's toll-free from across America, so feel free to use that phone number. Again, 877-674-3298. Or remember, you can go to our website and order from our shopping mall. The address of our website, Prophecy Today. Dot com. Thanks again for joining us for this Bible study together from the prophetic passages of God's Word, which continue to help us understand the times in which we're living. And those times seem to indicate to us from God's Word and current events unfolding that will be setting the stage for these prophecies that we've been studying together, that we're quickly approaching the time when Christ will come back. The rapture, the next main event in God's calendar of activities when he calls us up in the heavenlies to be with him forevermore. And that event could happen in the next moment. And the truth is, after saying that, what else is there for me to say except let's keep looking up until...